Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, if you'll turn over to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, and verses 6 and 7. That's where we're going to start at. That's not where we're going to end up at. But I want what James says here. And we, and we touched on it in our Sunday school uh, lesson this morning. Uh, but I want what James says here to, to reinforce what we should not do as we're going to look at some other passages. The title, if you want to put a title on the message, would be Never Doubt the Power of One. Never Doubt the Power of One. And what I mean by that, never doubt the power of one person and one prayer. Never doubt it. And that would mean you. Never doubt you being one person and that one prayer that you offer up. So in James chapter 1, Verses 6 and 7, if you'll stand for the reading of God's word. James 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Our Father God, as we come before you this tonight, Lord, we want to thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, Father, for your word. And, and, and Father, I would say thank you for the possibilities of prayer. I pray, Father, as we gather here tonight and we study your word, that as when we walk out of this building tonight, that if there was any doubt about the power of one, one person, one prayer, I pray, Father, that doubt will be gone. It will not be in anyone here. So, Father, we desire, we desire, we cry out and say, Lord, we want your will to be done. We want you to do great and mighty things, not for us, but in us and through us, for your glory, for your purpose. And it's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray, amen. You may be seated. You can't doubt. And that's what James says. You know, now I know it was asking if you're talking about lacking wisdom. But when we think about prayer, we cannot doubt at all what God is capable of. We can't doubt that when we come before the throne of God, that God hears our prayer. And not only does God hear our prayer, but that God will act on behalf of that prayer. Uh, when we pray, are we not, that's what we're asking God to do, right? When we pray, we want God to intercede. We want God to intervene. We want God to do what only God can do. So when you look at Scripture, and we will here in a few moments, but when we look at Scripture, and we think about the prayers that were offered up, uh, and God responded to those prayers. So why should we expect anything less today? Why should we doubt that my prayer can, I don't want to say can do what the prayers of old have done, but why should I doubt that my prayers cannot move God to do what only God can do? Not that I can dictate, and I, I want to make that clear, not that I can dictate to God, not that I can manipulate God, because I can't. There's none of us that can't. But I should say, okay, Lord, you have given me this, this opportunity to pray. 
And Lord, I look around and I see the needs that are out there. I, saw, I see the hurts. I see the concerns. Lord, I know this. I know you want your glory. You want your glory shown. I know that you want to see people saved. I know that. So why can't I base my prayers based upon exactly what God wants? You know, it's not about me praying for selfish things. It's not about me praying and, and saying, God, bless me so I can do this. Right? No. God, use me. Use me however you want. Do in me whatever you want. Whatever it is that will take to accomplish your purpose. And pray accordingly. And leave it up to God. And I'll, I'll talk more about that. But don't doubt the power of one and one prayer. If, if you will, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, the 107th Psalm, the 107th Psalm, and verses, we're going, we're going to pick up in verse 23. 107th Psalm, and the ver, verse number 23. 107th Psalm, beginning in verse 23, and we're going to read down through verse number 30. And here's what it says. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters. They have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens. They went down into the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. And in verse 28 it says, And they cried to the Lord, their, to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He caused, he caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet, and so he guided them to their desired haven. You think about that. You know, we talked a little bit this morning, talking about Peter being in the boat, but a lot of times when we think about, you know, these individuals who were on the boat and things that started happening, what did they do? I mean, you, you think, I like what it says, you know, they stagger. They, they just, what are we going to do next? Oh, we'll cry out to God. And what did God do? He caused the storm in the first place. That's what it says. He brought the storm. He caused it. He permitted it. But when they cried out to him, what did he do? He hushed it. He calmed it. And he brought them to where they desired to go. Man, when we have storms, do you ever think sometimes God permits the storms in our life to come so we'll do one thing, cry out to him? And I'm not talking, I'm going to read a quote to you here in a moment. I'm not talking repetitive prayer. I'm not talking lifeless prayer. I'm talking prayer that it's life and death. And guys, that's the way we should pray. We should pray. Every time we pray, it should be really... Life and death, just as they did here. Samuel Chaddick wrote this. He says, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. The devil does not fear anything from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom. But he trembles when we pray. That's true. Man, we can work and work and work. We can study about prayer. We can talk about prayer. We can read about prayer. You think that bothers the devil? No. Does it bother the devil? Does he worry when we offer up lifeless prayers? 
No. But when we pray, pray in a way that gets God's attention. That's when he shakes. That's when he troubles. The devil knows the less we pray, the less effective we are. And we could have the greatest programs, greatest Sunday schools, greatest preaching, greatest music. We can have the greatest of everything. But the less we pray, the less effective we are, and the devil knows that. The devil wants to discourage you when it comes to prayer. For he knows, the devil knows, that a prayer that is not prayed has zero chance of being answered. Now think about that for just a moment. If you don't pray it, I don't care what it is. If you don't pray it, do you think it's going to be answered? The devil knows that. So if he can discourage you in your prayer life, if he can make you think, as we talked about, what can one prayer by me accomplish? Again, as I said this morning, I'm insignificant. You know what? I'm just one individual. If he can convince you that your prayer does not matter, and so why pray or why really put something into prayer? He's got you. He's got you. And he knows that. So if you don't pray, don't expect your prayer to be answered. The devil wants to contain your prayer life. The boundaries of our prayers are often set by the limitations we place upon them. And thus they fall far short of their intended purposes. Now, when, when we pray, and, and I talked a little bit this morning about limitations. When we pray and we have those limitations on our prayer, do you ever think God says, well, I wish they'd pray a little bit more. I wish they would ask for a little bit more. So oftentimes, I think when we pray, we pray in a way that, let me rephrase this. We ought to pray things that only God can do. Not what I can do. Not what I have the capability of doing. But we ought to pray in such a way where the only way it's going to happen is if God does it. That's it. Because if I'm praying in such a way where I can do it, what's, where's God going to get the glory in that? You know, you go back to this morning and when Peter, you know, got out of that boat, where did the glory fall? Upon Peter? Upon Peter being, you know, wow, look at Peter. No. It was, wow, look what Christ is doing in Peter. And that's the way we should pray. Whether God answers it or not, that's up to God. I'm, I don't have the right to tell God, answer this prayer, don't answer this prayer. No. But I ought to pray in such a way to where if God does it, guess who gets the credit? God does. Uh, one thing that you know as well as I do, God does not share his glory. He doesn't. God gets it, or that's it. I don't share in that glory. The prayer of Jabez. Most of you know the prayer of Jabez over in First Chronicles 4.10. And, and Todd spoke on it a few moments, or spoke on it this past Wednesday. As I mentioned this morning, Ephesians 3.20 being in my Bible, I have the prayer of Jabez in my Bible too. And I read it, and I personalized it. But when it comes to the prayer of Jabez, and one thing that Jabez said in that prayer said, increase my territory. I want to change it up a little bit and say, why not when we pray, God increase the territory of my prayers? 
that my prayers, the prayers that I offer, the prayers that we offer, would have greater territory in what it can do. A greater reach, a greater effect. Our prayers should do that. We should strive that our prayers have increasing effectiveness. We should not. I mean, the more that we pray, the more that we should want God to do, the more that we want to see God do, and the greater effect that it will have upon whoever. I mean, it could be global. Do we not think that our prayers, and let me rephrase that, do we not think that your prayer can have a global effect? It can. I, we've got to believe that. And to, I mean, and to say, well, no, that can't happen. Why not? We serve a God of the universe. And if he's God of the universe and he, has, he holds all things into his hands, then why would we say, my prayer cannot have a global impact? Who's to say that? You? The devil says that. And God says, that's not true. Think about, man, you have it in the New Testament. We spend a whole lot of time on it when Jesus says, ask what? Anything? What's anything mean? Anything. Yeah, pretty simple, right? Anything. He is challenging us. Ask anything in my name, and it will be done. Now, again, I want to make it clear. He's not talking about being selfish. He's not, you know, talking about our selfish motives. No, he's not talking about that. But if we are striving to follow Christ and to walk with Christ and to be in Christ and to and to serve him, as Scripture says, me and him and you, let me rephrase that, me and him and him and us, abide in him, then we have the right, the right, God gives us the right to say, ask anything in my name, and oh, by the way, it'll be done. Case closed. But we make it so complicated. And I wonder, I'm going to say this, I wonder if we doubt what he really says. Now, James says, if you doubt, what are you to expect? Nothing. So he says it, and we say we believe it, but if there is just a little speck of doubt, then does that nullify that prayer? Because he didn't say you have to have a lot of doubt. He just says you doubt. Don't expect it. So when we know that, he says, ask anything in my name, and it'll be done. If we doubt that just a little bit, are we nullifying that prayer? Don't doubt it. So we cannot, we cannot allow Satan to contain our prayer life. We must strive to increase the territory of our prayers. Prayer is out of Satan's influence. It's out of his influence. Think about this. He cannot stop. He cannot stop. I know Satan's powerful. I know that. But he cannot stop the trajectory of your prayers. He can't, he can't intercept. I think, you know, we had the veterans stand today. And I, listen, I've watched plenty of John Wayne movies, Clint Eastwood movies, okay? You know, you know and you've always got, you know, especially in the military, people trying to intercept messages. Guess what? Satan cannot intercept one message, one prayer that you offer up to God. He can't. He can't stop it. He can't build a fortress around it. He cannot stop it. The only way that he can stop it 
is if he can discourage you from praying in it in the first place. That's it. And he works at that. Guys, he works at that. He wants to discourage you. He wants to defeat you in your prayer life. And he does. And he tries to by keeping you from it. So know that when you offer that prayer to God, he cannot stop it. He cannot interfere with it. Prayer. Prayer supersedes the limitations of mortal world. Prayer has no boundaries and holds ultimate potential. You, you, you hear this all the time. Okay, now, I'm a big sports guy. Love sports. And you talk, you know, talk about athletes, especially young athletes. They have all the potential in the world. You've heard that before. They have all the potential in the world. They're a five-tool player. Let me tell you, prayer has the ultimate potential. I mean, you're talking to the God of the universe who with nothing is impossible with him, and we can offer that prayer and give that prayer to God. Who knows what God can do with it? It is, and it holds the ultimate potential. Think about prayer. And if you will, I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 9 and verse number 40. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 40. When you think about, again, talking about the power of one, power of one person, of one prayer. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 40. When, th- when you look in Scripture, and, and not just in Scripture, but when you look through history, you see people who prayed, and you see great things that were, were done. And, and I, could, I could tell you many. Uh, tell you one person that I just absolutely admire is George Mueller. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, George Mueller, and I, I wish I had all the stats with me, but he ran orphanage, orphanage after orphanage, uh, several missionaries that they supported. You know how he did it? Prayer. That's it. If you go back and you read it, he never asked for one thing. It was always in prayer. There's one illustration in there uh, when I was reading. It said they were out of food. Out of food, had no food. You know, had this orphanage, had no food for the kids, had nothing to drink for the kids. That sat down and he started praying, started blessing. No, there's nothing there. And it, I think it said one of the things happened was uh, a bread truck had came by, had all this bread, gave it to the orphanage. So now they've got bread, nothing to drink. And they sit back down, and they start praying again, and guess what? Milk truck came by. It broke down. So they had all this milk on there. No place to go. It was going to spoil. Gave it to the orphanage. It just, it's, I would encourage you to read the story of George Mueller. And he did it all based upon prayer. But Acts chapter 9 and verse 40 says this. But Peter sent them all out, knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, rise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. One person, one prayer. Think about this. The power of one. Elijah, one person, okay, one prayer, called fire down from heaven. Elijah, one person, one prayer, called rain down from heaven, and it rained. Think about Jonah. One person, one prayer, caused the well to spit him up. Okay, think about one person, one prayer. Elisha, one of my favorite guys, Elisha. One person, one prayer called a, caused a double portion of Elijah to fall upon him. He asked, and God granted it. 
You think about uh, Hannah. I think it was mentioned in Sunday school this morning. Hannah, one person, one prayer, prayer, prayed for a child. Guess what? God gave her a child. One person, one prayer. You think about, and again, many individuals in Scripture who prayed and who cried out to Jesus, whether it was for healing or whatever, guess what? Miracles happen. Uh, one of the things I love, five plus two. What's, the, what's five plus two? Wrong. Five plus two equals 5,000. Five fish, two loaves, 5,000 fed. One person, one prayer. And think about this one. One person, one prayer. When I cried out to Christ and said, come into my life and to save me. The power of one person and one prayer. When we think about praying, here's what we should strive to do. Reimagine your prayer life. Take Jesus seriously when he says, ask anything. Ask anything. Pull up the boundaries of your prayer. Let God, and I said this morning, let God be the judge of what he will accomplish with your prayer. Let him be the judge of that. You pray it. But let God decide what he wants to do. Don't you decide for him. Let him decide. But don't be afraid to pray it. And it may sound, cra- it may sound crazy. They may say, why in the world am I praying for this? Well, pray it and see what God does. God may, as you've heard people say, yes, no, or maybe. Hey, God may say yes. God may say no. God may say wait. But let God be the judge of it. Not you. Not somebody else. Not what the world says. Let God be the judge. Let our prayers. Let our prayers. I I love the book of Revelation. I I know, I think... um, I think Todd's going to be talking about this as we move forward later on. But over in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, and chapter 8, verses 3 and 5, it talks about the prayers of the saints burning like incense. Let our prayers be like incense. Let our prayers be like the fragrance before our Lord. That's what our prayers should be. And then the last one. May our prayers, may your prayer. I'm talking about you, Robert. Your prayer. Mark. Where's Mark at? Mark. Let your prayer produce, cause great changes to take place on this earth. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Pray as if every life depends upon it. Cry out to God and let God decide what he's going to do. This morning, or I said this morning, tonight. Don't let Satan discourage you from praying. Don't have any doubt. And I, I'm not saying it's easy, but erase all doubt of what God can do with you, one person, and that one prayer that you offer up. It might very well change the world. You never know. And if it doesn't change the world, it might change the world of one individual which is just as powerful. One person, one prayer, don't doubt it. Our Father God, as we bow before you tonight, you truly have given us the keys of heaven. And it's based, I think, Father, in in my opinion, on prayer. 
Now, Father, not that we have any power in ourselves. Not that, again, make this clear, Father God, not that we can manipulate you, not that we can dictate to you what you're going to do. But at the same time, Father, you challenge us. You challenge us by saying, ask anything. What is too hard for me? Is my arm too short to do this or to do that? I just wonder, Father, if maybe sometimes we let doubt get in the way. Small seed of doubt. If we have that, Father, your word says we shouldn't expect anything. Lord God, may tonight, may we remove all seeds of doubt of what my prayer can do. My one prayer. It may sound crazy to others. But Father, I don't think anything sounds crazy to you. I look at scripture and see what you've done. I don't think I can be crazy enough. So Father God, may we cry out to you. Maybe there's someone here today that needs to offer up that one prayer, something that you've been speaking to them about, and for whatever reason, they're hesitant to offer. Or maybe they've prayed, and and Lord, they've prayed about many things, but there's always maybe been a seed of doubt. Maybe today, Father, they cry out to you and say, please remove all doubt from my prayers. And Lord, whether you answer or not, that's not my decision. I'm going to offer the prayer and leave it up to you what you do. No matter what, I'm going to trust you. Father God, we, we desire, we want your will to be done because your will is the perfect will. We cry out and say, Lord, may you have your will right now. It's in the name of our sweet Savior, the one who is faithful and true to all things. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.